and you're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son or through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. When he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he, be, so he became as much a superior, so he became as much more superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. God speaks. He has spoken. He is not silent. The uniqueness of of the Christian faith is, is not in its cathedrals, as, as awesome, as beautiful as some of them are. It is not in the rites and ceremonies that have been developed over the centuries. It is not in the music as much as we enjoy the music. The uniqueness and the beauty of the Christian faith is Jesus. Jesus, his person and his work, which he has done for us, which we've known about, which we've been talked about, which we have shared. But sometimes I think because for us it is readily available to us, Maybe we don't appreciate it as much as perhaps we could or, or should. Jesus is the center of it all. And if he is not at the center, he is misplaced. He has to be the center of it all. Remember, we sing a song like that from time to time. Jesus, be the center of it all. There is no other message. There is nothing that compares. There is nothing that compares that Jesus be the center of it all. If anything... If anything has misplaced the center focal point of Jesus in your heart and your mind, whatever that is needs to be cast down, needs to be pushed aside, needs to be subjected and let Jesus be exalted, no matter what the agenda is. From time to time, um, uh, I, I, I read and, and you have read or it makes the news that that so-and-so has, has walked away from the faith or has lost their faith or has given up their faith. Well, I kind of look at that with a nod head, or I, I, I get that, I understand that, I, I, I hate that happened, and a certain sense of sadness comes along with it, but, it's, but it, it has happened since the beginning. People from various times and various places for various kinds of reasons walk away from the faith. Paul says of Demas, Demas has forsaken us, having loved this present world. So that, that happens, and that's going to happen. That's going to keep happening until Jesus comes back. You don't have to worry you just pray, you keep your eyes, you keep your focus on, on, on the Lord. What has happened, and one of the reasons why the book of Hebrews, which is where I just read from, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, one of the reasons the book was written is because the writer, who we have no idea who, well, we may have an idea, but we don't know who wrote it. One of the reasons it was written is because some of the Hebrews, some of the Jewish followers of the, of the faith, it's in the first century, have began to ask the question, I thought you said Jesus was coming back. I, you know, we're, pay, we're, we're paying a heavy price here. I mean, things are really, really hard. And you said he was coming back, and you've been saying he's been coming back. 
For them, it may have been 10 years. Maybe it was 15 years. Maybe it was 30 years, and he still hasn't come back. For you, it's been a lot longer than that from the time the announcement was made. And so some were beginning to stagger in their faith. Is he coming back or is he not coming back? So the writer of Hebrews, whoever it is, was well-versed in the Old Testament scriptures. They knew the scriptures very, very well. And they were able to speak to these Hebrews about how Jesus was a better way. And they talked about that. They talked about how that he is, he, he is better than angels. And that's the very next thing that's mentioned in the, in the chapter. He's better than Aaron. He's a better priest. He's better, than, he's better than Moses. It's a better covenant. In fact, better is like a theme word throughout the whole book. So their faith was faltering, and, he, and the author is showing how that Jesus is a better way. And he is comparing the old covenant with a new covenant that has been established in Jesus. The writer begins his book kind of like the beginning of the, the Pentateuch, the book of Genesis. It begins with an indicative statement. Now, an indicative statement is a statement of fact, like Vicky's hair is blonde. That's just an indicative statement. So in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created. That's an indicative statement. In the book of Hebrews, it says, in times past, God spoke. Now he has spoken. It's just an indicative statement. It's, a sta it's not an argument. He's just stating the case of what is. And he says it like this. Now, this is uh, written a couple thousand years ago, and the author says this. In these last days, whatever year it was, the author uses that phrase, in these last days. And remember, a thousand years is like a, a day, and a day is like a... So 2,000 years ago in our time, it's the last day. It's like two years, you know, or like two couple days. So uh, it's, it's not a long frame time. When you put it in a juxtapose to eternity, it's just a dot. So the writer says, in these last days, um, God has spoken to us through his son. And we know that that is Jesus. And I hope, I hope uh, my verbiage, the way I'm speaking, uh, that you're able to get through that and, you'll, and the, the Spirit will help us to hear what the, what, the, what the Spirit wants us to hear today. Paul says this to the Corinthians, all the promises of God find a yes in Jesus. So when he says that in these last days, God has spoken through his Son, the inference of that is that this is the final revelation of God's self-disclosure. God making himself known to the world. Jesus is that. And it's not that God is not speaking now because the author says that uh, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But when it comes to understanding who God is, there is no fuller revelation. There is not another revelation coming because Jesus is the full revelation of the heart of God and of salvation. So don't harden your heart, the author says. So, there will not be a different, neither will there be a fuller revelation than has already been given. In fact, it's interesting, you know, Paul says, even if a messenger comes from heaven and presents to you another gospel, don't believe it. Now, now let that sink in. 
Even if a messenger from heaven, now one tra the translation says if an angel comes from heaven. Well, the word angel just simply means a messenger. That's what the word means. A messenger comes from heaven and delivers to you a different word, a different gospel. Don't believe it. So, all the fullness of God, Paul writes to the Colossians, all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Now think about that. All the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews in the third verse of what I just read to you says this, that Jesus is the exact, precise revelation of who the Father is. The exact image of the Father. And delivers the message perfectly. So there's no one else coming. There is not another revelation. Notwithstanding, notwithstanding what uh, Joseph Smith might say, or anyone else, what our, what our Mormon, good Mormon neighbors might say, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, no matter what they say, there is not another revelation or a fuller revelation. I think that you know that, and we've, we've, we've made that quite plain, I believe. So Jesus is it. He is the focal point. He is the center point. The writer says, about Jesus, these three things. He is the heir of all things. He created all things. And he upholds all things by his powerful word. So there is there's not another thing. Jesus is the crowning jewel. Jesus is the revelation of God. It's, it's, an, it's analogous to John's gospel. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So they're saying the same thing, the author of Hebrews and, the, and John in his gospel. Jesus is the center of it all. There is a, a universal kind of understanding, you could say consciousness, you could say awareness, that there is something, there is something transcendent uh, 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 about this created order, the, the, the universe, the cosmos, there's, there's some kind of I mean, it's almost universally. I mean, there are some who don't accept it, but, but far and away, no matter where you are, what generation, what nationality, what continent you visit, there is this a tra there's an understanding, a self-awareness, that there is some kind of transcendent intelligence that put this all together. It's like God has written, written this understanding on our hearts, and we can just look. In fact, the writer of Romans says that. We can tell, we can see from what is made that God has put these things together. So the Hebrew declares, the Hebrew writer declares, God has spoken. And this is very important. It's very, very important, and we need to know what God has spoken. Not everyone knows this. Not everyone knows this, and so that we need to apply ourselves to the things that God has spoken, and it's very, very important. The prophet Isaiah cries out this word, Hear, O heavens, and listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. If God Almighty has spoken, then we ought to give a real earnest heed to what he has spoken. Now listen, take a, uh, now, now that Terry has did a parody on this, I'm, I'm self-conscious now about saying it, but I know how it is when you're sitting there and you're listening to somebody talk, and you're not, you're not dialoguing a whole lot, like as in a sermon. So what I, what I ask you to do from time to time is take in some deep breaths, because what that does, it puts some oxygen in your blood, and it'll, it'll fire up your brain a little bit, and you'll be able to engage a little bit more. So just do that. Suck in some air, 
uh, get the synapses firing because I'm going to make a statement that if you're halfway asleep, you'll go, what, huh? So written words, this is the written word. It's the written word. Jesus is the living word. Written words, uh, as we understand them, as we know them, are but symbols. Written words are symbols. They're, they're like signs. Martin Luther, the reformer the, the refer, of, uh, of uh, the, the Reformation, described the scriptures. Now, it's written letters. It's the written word. And he described it like this. It's the cradle in which the Christ is laid. So we get to know who Jesus is by, by getting into the word. And, and the word says that Jesus is the exact image of the Father. There is not a fuller revelation. And it's, 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 it's understood. We, we, we get it right here by being in the word. So the words are symbols, like a sign is a symbol, and they point to something. These scriptures point to Jesus. So we really, really need to be people of the book. John Wesley said, oh, give me that book. That book, give me that book. And we know that the scripture says there will be a famine of the word of God. There will be a famine, a, a, a dearth, a a drought of the Word of God. And because we don't, we don't have the Word of God, I'm so thankful our church in, in practices with our children quizzing. I, I, I believe it's probably mm, the best thing that we do is teach our children the Word of the Lord. And, and if, if, if your children are involved in that, man, I'm so thankful, I'm so glad, I'm so thankful for the the men and the women who get involved in that and, and help the children to hide the word of the Lord in their heart and mind. It is so, so, so important. So, knowing this, that the words, the, the, the black ink on the page are just symbols pointing to something, like signs are symbols pointing to something. When it says, when it's a big yellow sign with a curve on it, that's not the curve. The sign is letting you know right around here there's a curve and you better get ready for it because if you're still going 50 mile an hour when you hit it, bye. These, these are symbols and signs telling you there's something up ahead. There's a, there's a, there is something significant that you need to know as, as a live mortal. There's something you need to know and his name is Jesus and, and you need to know what it is and this is pointing to him. So you need to be in the book Understood that way, and, and this is, I'm just praying that God will help me communicate this. Understood that way, then the words become life and spirit. If it's not understood that way, then it's just so much black ink on a page. As one fellow said, it's just so many dead letters. But understood that they're just pointing to something and it is the something that you need to be looking at, this makes it known, then, it's, then it's, it's life and it's spirit. That's why the scripture says that on your tongue, on the words that you speak, is life and death. Because words are spirit. The enunciation of sounds, I mean, I could just make, communicates nothing. But if you, if you know the language I'm talking, 
then you are receiving the words that you are hearing and receiving, hopefully receiving, the words that I'm speaking, and they, 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 they penetrate to your heart and your mind and your soul. And since this is a preaching moment, and it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to speak to men and women's hearts and lives, then the God, the Holy Spirit, takes the, the written word, the spoken word by the anointing of the Spirit and, and takes it home to the heart and life of a person. And if it's understood that way, and it, it, if it's just received, see, you can, you can have a deaf ear. It's not alive. It's, your, 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 your heart is closed. Your mind is closed. You're shut down. You're not going to receive it. But if you do, then it has the power. It has the power to be spirit life, spirit breathed, and be transformative in your life so that your heart and your mind is literally transformed and you yourself are being transformed and changed from one degree to another to the image of Christ who is the exact image of the Father. Paul said, the things of God are spiritually... See, if it's just mental, if it's just, if it's just cognitive stuff going on, then it's just so much knowledge and knowledge puffs up. It's not that redeeming. But if it, if it has spirit life to it, if it's anointed by the Spirit and your heart is open and your mind is open and you're ready to receive from the Lord, Paul said they are spiritually discerned. In other words, you're able to, the idea of discerning is something that you divide. It divides the thing and opens up so you can see the heart of God. You can see the heart of Jesus. And, and God the Holy Spirit will take his word and, and apply it to our hearts and lives and he will take a scalpel a, 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 an instrument of surgery and, and help remove and dissect and, and cut out the things that, that don't reflect who he is that's in our hearts and our lives. Paul says, the word of God, the word of God received this way as life and of spirit and as of transforming power is mighty. Well, I'm sure we don't understand that because I've said more than once, if I was God, I, I'd have a big like 15-foot angel show up in here with a big old sword and tell us what was and what was not. And that would get our attention. And that would make us quiver and shake and pass out. But, but God isn't about that. He's, he, he wants our hearts to be transformed by hearing his word, and, and we're open to it, and then we become transformed because we want to be. Because we're open and we want to be transformed. We want to be changed. We want to become more like he is. Because our hearts are open. If our hearts are not open, it passes on by. But the, but the word of God is mighty words. That's what, that's what uh, the Hebrew writer says. God, by his powerful word, he speaks and it just happens. God, by his powerful word, sustains all things. His powerful word sustains all things. It's quick and it's powerful. The Hebrew writer says, the word of God is quick and is powerful, meaning it's alive and it's active. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing or penetrating, dividing the soul and the spirit and judges our thoughts and our attitudes, our heart. They are spiritually discerned. So words understood as, 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 as spirit things have the potential for transforming, for renewing, for new birth, for light. 
And it is, it is through this, through the word, moved upon, anointed by the Spirit of God, that ushers us into the presence of God. And we sing that song, In Your Presence, Hearts Are Melted. In Your Presence, Things Are Made Anew. Any thought, any attitude, any behavior, any way of being that exalts itself above the word of God must be cast down. So Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 5 and 6. He says this, the weapons that we fight with. Now Paul's a Roman. It was a very militaristic age. They didn't hide their military hardware. I mean, they marched it out on the street. It was stationed all around the cities and the towns. So they had shields and, 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 and swords and daggers and breastplates and all the stuff that Paul talks about, about the armor. It was very much in your face. And it was an intimidation factor about that. But Paul writes, the weapons that we fight with is not like the Romans. We don't fight like Rome does. Our weapons are not carnal. They are not swords and spears. They are not earthly. They are not material, physical things. You just have to get this. The Spirit of God has to help you to get this. The weapons we fight with. So we're not fighting each other. That's not, that's not, that's not what we do. If we fall into that, then we're, then we're, we're, we're carnal. We're, we're babes. We're, we've been drawn right into the enemy's tactic. Because our weapons are not that. Our weapons are spiritual. It is the word of God. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight with, he continues, have divine power. Not how sharp my arguments can be. Not how sophisticated I can enunciate it. Not how much knowledge and, and intelligence I have backed in the brain and thought out there. but it has divine power to demolishing strongholds. Strongholds in our minds. Which is where the battle takes place. Which is why it's so important that we understand that the word of the Lord is so many dead letters unless you're open to it and you allow the Spirit of God to take the heavenly scalpel and just work in our hearts and lives and minds. Because they are spirits. And God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth, truth as it is re revealed in his word. And Jesus is the exact representation of that. So they are mighty to God, demolishing strongholds, the strongholds that are in our minds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient unto Jesus Christ. Interesting, the video talked about, used the word chaos. And this is important. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying words and I'm just praying that God was just helping in doing what I can't do. And helping you to understand what you need to understand. And what you need to understand might not be something that, that, that I'm enunciating. 
But the Lord can do amazing things. It's interesting to me that in creation, in Genesis, the first chapter, it says that God spoke into the darkness. Or we could say it another way, and God spoke into the chaos. And this is an amazing thing to me. And God, help us to hear these words so that it becomes transformative and it will be help, and maybe we can help somebody else down the road. And he said, let light come out of the darkness. I think it's Isaiah that says, the heart of a human being is desperately wicked. The heart of the human being, that's you and me, is desperately wicked. It's so wicked that no one can fully know it. As John West, I think I mentioned this last week, said that apart from the grace of God and the prevenient grace of God, all of us would be devils. We would, apart from the grace of God, we would fall to the most debased ways of living and barbaric and hostile and mean, like, like the pre-flood. God looked down on the earth and he repented and he even made human beings because says that they're their actions were evil. The very thoughts of their heart, the intents of their heart were evil continually. That's who you and I are. Apart from the grace of God. And if we do not let the word of God penetrate our hearts and our minds, we will fall into that kind of way of being. And this is very, very important. Because we weren't intended for that. We were not made for that. We were made to reflect the glory of God. To bear the image of God. As revealed in the face of Jesus. So the word of God speaks into the darkness. The word of God speaks into the chaos. And it's a dynamic thing. When I say dynamic, I mean it's shifting because our world is continually shifting and you and I are being shifted and, and, and we get new thoughts and there's new ideas and there's new approaches to things and, and we're constantly being shifted, sifted. Shifted and sifted. So we need the light of God we need the word of God to, re to reveal to us the way forward. Because the light shines into the living death of the human heart apart from him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness. So you've heard that word, but I'm, I'm trying to help you understand it in a new level, in a new dynamic, in a new kind of way. Because, see, you and I, you and I, apart from the grace of God, will be, will be reveling in the darkness. And, 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 and we have a tendency, because of the curse, we have a tendency to, to more that way, to shift that way, to lean that way. But the operating work of the word of the Lord through the Spirit of God can hold us upright. Where can a young man keep his way? How can he keep from falling into the morass and the darkness and the death? By listening to the word of the Lord. Your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway, because this world, as, as Martin Luther again says, though with devil's fill, would threaten to undo me. But the word of God, 
hit deeply in our hearts and we're led by the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit, as we follow the Word and follow the heart of Jesus, we are led through the darkness and we shine like lights in a dark world. That's why Jesus said, let your light shine so that men and women can see and they'll glorify God because here's someone that's not broken. Here's someone that is a light of life. Here's one that is reflecting the heart of Jesus and our world so desperately needs it. If it ever needed it, it needed it now. It's always needed it, but it needs it now. Let the word, Paul says, let the word of Christ, I don't know what other kind of words live in you, but Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell or abide in you richly, not in a surface kind of way, not with like a head nod, not with like a, tit, a, 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 a tilt of the hat, but dwell within you, abide within you richly. Because it will, it, will, it will temper who you are, it will shape who you are. David said this, and you, I mentioned it a while ago, your word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How are you going to know whether your actions, your words, your attitude, your behavior, your demeanor, the things you follow, the things you don't follow, are a reflection of who, is it, who he is? If the word of God is not deeply embedded in your heart and mind, how are you going to know? It is not automatic. You don't come into the world when God zaps you when your eyes open and, and your head is filled with the knowledge of God. You have a general understanding like every human being does. But you have to want to know. You have to seek it out. And if you don't care to seek it out, you're not going to find it. But there is a pearl of great price that has eternal dimensions to it and rewards to it, if you will. Paul writes this to Timothy. Timothy, when you were born, if you were born in a Christian home, you should give thanks to God. Because since the day you were born, you were nurtured and you were shaped and you were taught the scriptures. And Paul says, they are able to make you wise unto salvation. And, and Jesus says, what will it profit a man? If he comes into the world and he's skilled and he's mastered and he masters and he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul. What has he profited him? What has he gained? But the scriptures, the word of God, which are life and the spirit penetrates your heart and your life and your mind and it dissects and the scalpel comes out and removes this and he removes that. And that unchristlike attitude and that unchristlike behavior and that disposition and that value that doesn't reflect who he is. But the scripture says we will shine like the stars of the morning. You see, read this is real important. It's, all, it's important just, just because, period. But there's other reasons. Because there are other voices. And I know that you know this. There are other voices that speak. There's the voice of the devil. And we, we, have, we have words of that in the scripture. Jesus himself encountering the devil. And if Jesus is going to encounter the devil, he's probably going to speak to you at some point. And if it's not him, one of his minions. So you have the voice of the devil, you have the voice of the demonic, and, and believe me, they've been around a lot longer than you have, and they're smarter than you are. Don't be arrogant and don't be haughty. They're smarter than you are. They've lived a few more thousand years. And they've seen a lot of human beings come and go. And you're not going to outsmart them. 
They can give you arguments and justifications for every nasty, mean, ugly thing that you want to do. And you'll feel justified in it. But not only do you have the dark realm that speaks into your mind and your heart, because word, remember, words are spirit. Words are spirit. But you also have those tapes that play over and over in your head. You'll never amount to anything. You'll probably always fail. You'll probably end up in jail. I'd never hire you. Whatever somebody said to you one time and it just stuck. And from time to time that tape just plays in your mind. The voice of your parents. I wish you had never been born. You're the ugliest child I got. Might be true, but... <laughs> a little levity. But voices that speak in our heads. It might be a coach. Why are you even playing? Might be a, maybe it might be a college professor. Why are you even in college? Why are you even in college? You don't even belong here. People speak those kinds of words. A friend who betrayed you and told you how awful you were. All kinds of voices that play in our heads. How are you going to distinguish the difference? Especially if it's someone that you valued in your life, a parent, a coach, an aunt, an uncle, who spoke words, spoke words of cursing and not blessing. And those curses reside in your heart and mind, and, and you find you struggle to not live them out. And you, you press, you press forward with God's prevenient grace and what word of God does live in you. And you rise above. If you don't hide his word in your heart, how are you going to know? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He doesn't want us to groping around in the darkness. You don't have any gifts anyway. You're not very talented. I wonder if David thought that when the lion came out to take his sheep. It was asked of Moses, but let's ask it of David. David, what's in your hand? I have a sling and I can, there's some stones here on the ground. Well, that's not very much, but he takes out a lion, he takes out a bear, and he takes down Goliath. It was just a sling and a handful of stones. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man that Moses has ever heard of. Lord, I can't do that. Well, Moses, what's in your hand? Well, I got this stick, I call it a staff but I cut it off of a tree. It looked pretty straight and pretty stout. Well, throw it on the ground. And it turns into a serpent. Young man, what do you have? Well, I don't have much. I, got, I need to feed all these people. What you got? Well, I can't do that. Well, I know. I didn't want to ask you. I said, what are you, what's in your hand? What do you have in your bag? Well, all I have, all I have, which is what we say, all I've got is a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. Give it to me. See, God isn't impressed with you. <laughs> He's not impressed with me. <laughs> you, what are you thinking? He just needs me to do a particular task at a particular time. And if it's just to speak to one person, and that person hears the word of the Lord just for one time in his life, and I die and go on. But one person hears and responds and the, the word of God speaks and penetrates his heart and his mind and he's converted, he becomes new, a new birth is entered into the world. 
The scripture says, one, one soul, one soul is worth more than the entire created cosmos. How are you going to know? Well, I can't do that. I don't even want to do that. Well, hello, Jonah. Jonah didn't want to either. And God had ways of, of working, and he can have ways of working in your life. It's like, it's like you want to do this the easy way, you want to do this the hard way. You ever been told that before? My mama said that one time. We can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. One way or another, you're going to do it. So I think it has something to do with washing dishes. I'm too young. Samuel, how old are you? Twelve. Well, when he speaks, say, here I am. Just 12 years old. Just a sling and a couple and a few stones. Just a couple pieces of bread and a few fish. Just, just whatever. Just a stick. You're not very important. As I already mentioned, one person is worth more than the created cosmos. You're not loved and nobody loves you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nobody wants you. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. You're no good. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. Otherwise, I may wander in the morass of the darkness and the chaos. But God's word speaks into the darkness, into the morasses, into the chaos. And is a light into our feet, a light to our pathway, a lamp and a light to show the way forward. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Lord, you formed me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have got to know the word of the Lord and hide it in your heart because they are life and they are spirit because there is darkness all around. All you do is drive out the parking lot and you'll begin to see it. But you, my friend, can shine like lights shining in the heavens. Lord Jesus, your word is light and life to us. We understand from the scriptures that those who do not know you are experiencing a living death, but you are light and life. So as we listen to you, as we respond to you, as we follow to you, let the light and the life of the person of Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the word of God dwell in us so that we can be the men and the women and the boys and girls that God needs us to be in such a hurting, broken world. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. I want to say this. So you may have been in Sunday school since you were 13 years old. You may think you already know it. But you cannot plumb the depths of the riches of God in your lifetime. So keep reading, keep digging. The Lord bless you. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.